Thank you for joining us for another podcast from the Commonwealth Club. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Commonwealth Club of California. I'm Denise Michaud, Chair of the Grown Ups Forum. Our guest today is a legendary fashion designer, Norma Kamali. She has been a pioneer in so many ways in her life. Um, I bet you don't know she was one of the first designers to open her retail shop. She was the first to sell online and the first to do a video fashion show. She is truly one step ahead of the future. And now at age 75, Norma Kamali inspires women to age with power. She tells us all about it in her book, I Am Invincible. So to all the viewers, please put your questions and your comments in the YouTube chat area, and we will get to those later in the program. Welcome, Norma Kamali. Well, thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you. And so you are not only 75, and you look fantastic, but you are excited to be 75. I hear that you don't want to be any younger or you're, you're happy to be the way you are and you want to redefine what it means to age. Yes, and um, I think if you think about what your 20s were like from 20 to 30, you're an adult for the first time and you're vulnerable, you make a lot of very stupid mistakes, but that's what you're supposed to do in your 20s. You have uh, first encounters in jobs, in dating, and with sex. Everything is just too anxiety provoking. And I think we have to go through it. It's part of the initiation into being an adult. And 30 is a very big transition time for women, especially. There's a lot of tears on the pillow because maybe life is passing us by and our timeline for having children and getting married and all of that is not exactly on point. And um, 30s, we're faking it till we make it and trying to trying to figure out who we are through our accomplishments and maybe having children. And then 40, you, you sort of capitalize on your success and the brand you've created for yourself in, in whether it's in your home and in your, in your, or your work life. And then you go through menopause and you go through the big transition of 50 where you literally shed your skin and become reinvented for the next phase of your life. And, and it is at that point where you determine that you are not going to become invisible versus invincible. And so I did that. Thank you very much. And so 60 was great. 65, I met my soulmate. Um, I didn't think I was going to. Everybody else was sort of meeting their soulmates and I wasn't. But, you know, I figured it's not going to be for me. And then um, at 75, I am still the sole owner of my company. Um, I've been in business for almost 54 years now. Um, and I will be getting married this summer. And oh I don't, I'm, I'm not thinking I want to change that. And I'm starting, uh, I just wrote this book and I'm 
starting um, a new furniture company and my new scent, which is a calming sort of restorative scent that will be out in September. And I'm opening the wellness cafe again in September. So I'm, I'm looking at the long game. I'm planning to live to 120 because I hear, I've read that the cells stop turning over at 120. And I think the long game is the way to face it. Now, obviously, there may be some genetic disposition that says maybe it's not that. But my point of view is if I look at the long game, I'll keep making plans for the future and looking at my potential in this lifetime in in uh with a big view of the future so that's my that's my look at aging um so you look you know fantastic for any age really but and you're very and you're famous you're successful but do you ever encounter any ageism you know i i think um it's very interesting. I could I could just give you a recent example. Of, I personally don't. I I don't feel that I um, experience it directly, but I know it exists because I if I hear about another anti wrinkle cream and an anti aging product, I'm going to scream because it's so anti and it's not really what I believe. Mm -hmm. But I will tell you, I, we just did a photo shoot and my collection is, I, I present it as democratic and inclusive. It's for everyone. And so I photograph it on models who um, sort of have the energy and the, the feel of the bulk of my distribution, which is 25 to 44. And then I did another photo shoot on um, a 53-year-old Kundalini instructor, and I showed the collection on her. And I used um, a sport shoe from a very famous brand, which we will not mention. And I used their shoes in all of my shoots, in fact, even in the shoot that had the younger girls. And they sent me a notice saying that I shouldn't have used the sneakers in this photo shoot, but they didn't lend them to me. I bought them. The sneaker had been out on the market since 2019. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd done that before. I pick shoes from everywhere that I like and I buy them. I don't ask for them for free. And they asked me not to, they asked me to take the pictures uh, off the Women's Wear Daily site, the Vogue.com sites. And I thought it was outrageous and I couldn't understand. And I got in touch with lawyers at the CFDA and everywhere and nobody could figure it out. And then about a week ago, I was sitting with my team and we were talking about something completely different. And we looked at the photos and we noticed that they had a problem with those sneakers. And it was the only thing that we could see that was different was that it was on the 53 year old Kundalini instructor, mm. not because she's not gorgeous, because I will tell you she's gorgeous and she's 
just dynamic and fit and gorgeous long silver hair. I mean, stunning. And I really believe that it had to do with her and and that she represented an age group that they don't want to represent because they're they represent themselves in with youth um as as a key and so i actually really do believe that that was something that happened and i'm really um i'm talking more and more about the positive words and the positive images that we can talk about um, that indicate aging with power and stop thinking about aging gracefully or trying to look younger through false means rather than look healthy, which in turn will give the appearance of energy and vitality, which we normally identify with youth, but quite frankly, it, it's it's an identification just like spirit is that can be in someone that's 90. Mm -hmm. So I I do I have had that feeling mm -hmm. in in lots of media, lots of ages sort of references. But personally, just recently, I believe that that's what happened. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and it happens a lot, unfortunately. And I think there yeah. is this change that we have to make. And I like your attitude about making it positive and um, with the image of being strong yeah. and the other, yeah, the, excuse me. The other, the other thing to think about is um, age, the age references really are, are not just for people at, of a certain age. For example, um, when I turned 20, just before my 18th, 19th birthday, my mother said, happy birthday, it's all downhill from here. And I started to cry. And I, I thought to myself, I don't wanna be old like her. I don't wanna be old. And when I talk to all these young people around me, they, they say the same thing. And we've all said that, right? We've all, oh my God, now we're, we're in our 20s and we're, we can get old. And so what happens at 30, and um, I interviewed um, a, a young writer who's very clever and who covered this topic. And so what happens is once you hit 30, if you're going on all those dating apps, the app will um, have piles of people, like she had piles of guys that wanted to meet her and she's interesting, good looking, has a great job, all of that. On her 31st birthday, she did not get one response, one response. And so she, she re-entered it with a, a younger date and she got more responses again. So she literally indicated to me, and, and I researched and see, you can get aged out of the dating market in your 30s. So aging out is not just something for decades of 50-year-olds, 60-year-olds. Aging out of the, the workplace in your 40s, you may be too expensive. Maybe you've gone, you've raised up to this plateau, and now you're too expensive. You get aged out of that market. Getting aged out of marriages. Hmm. Hello? I mean, so getting aged out can be, can start 
in your 30s. So it's a, it's it's something to be aware of so we can start talking about the positive version of how to speak about those things. That's true. And I have friends who are in their 80s who are looking for meaningful relationships. And yeah. It's pretty yeah. hard. And they have to lie about their age. <laughs> and so and they're All looking right. good. <laughs> I'm only 70. <laughs> um, and you you talk about each decade. I thought it was interesting. Each decade having a certain energy to it. What was the energy? What's the energy in your 70s? So you've, you've left the 60s. You've shifted into the 70s. What's the change in the energy for you? Well, because my view is the long game, um, I think about my my abilities in this world so what's happening the 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 pandemic comes a year ago and all of a sudden my business that was very healthy had was threatened and was I going to be out of business for the first time in my 53 years is my 54th year it is it over is it a uh, gone and so I had to be innovative and creative and um, really take the bulls by the horn and figure out how I'm going to make my business strong, survive, find the silver lining in this. And so the energy that you need for that, let me tell you, is like I work hard normally, but COVID work hard means you're Zooming 24-7, all the different time zones, making sure the factories can make the clothes, making sure the, the, our accounts will take them, making my staff feel connected and feeling safe and that they have their jobs. I mean, the level of involvement really takes a tremendous amount of energy. And as we're seeing our way out of COVID, the way I look at my business now has created a ton of new ideas that I'm implementing as we speak. I'm, I'm trademarking things. We're looking at new ways of, of presenting the collection, but even more than the collection. Um, and, and so it's very exciting um, and it's and you need energy and it's a, an energetic kind of excitement, which means you fall right into healthy lifestyle and how incredibly important sleep, diet, exercise, being conscientious about these is because it's exhausting to um, deal with stress and everything else. And stress needs to be diffused. And, and obviously meditation is a tool I use a lot. Mm. Um. Yeah, things have changed a lot in the pandemic for work. I mean, just yeah. nothing is the same. Everything is slower. Yeah. Nothing does is done right. <laughs> so it's hard. Um, yeah. But I'm happy for you that you found your soulmate at age 65. There's lots of us single people out there <laughs> looking for meaningful relationships. So as I said, what's your favorite part of being a couple? Well, you know, I, I... Fortunately, an ex-boyfriend, um, Ian Schrager, introduced me um, to Marty when I was 65. And 
I never, I mean, I've had long relationships, but I never thought of them as that special, special in, in sort of a certain way, but not something that I thought, well, this is forever. And at 65, mm. you actually can say this could be forever. Mm. Um, and so yes, I really, uh, and, and the, the, the good part is because I run a business and I have a lot of focused time for the business, it's great that he also does a lot of traveling and is a lot of focused time he needs for what he does. So when we get together, it's so nice because we're really looking forward to see each other. We think about it when we're in the midst of our crazy schedules. And so it, it is nice having that experience. But I will tell you, for all the people who are thinking they would like to have a soulmate, I don't know that I was really ready before to be truthfully honest, I can't, I can't say that I didn't participate in the fact that I was attracting people that I didn't consider soulmates. Mm -hmm. And I think working on yourself, right? Doing self-love, not narcissistic love, but self-love is a big part of attracting the right people to you. Because even in business, in friendships, in relationships, when you love yourself and you have self-respect, people that are of that nature uh, uh, will be attracted to you and you will attract them and you'll attract the person you deserve. When you don't feel good about yourself or there are things that are taking away the time for that self-love, um, you attract a different kind of person mm -hmm. and it can be complicated and unpleasant but I, I really think spending time working on taking care of yourself thinking about the food you're eating or how much sleep you're getting are you giving are you working out physical exercise the choices you make about how you diffuse stress is really I think big time important in attracting people to you. And I'm curious, so you're going to get married. And so many people would say, why get married? You know, why don't I, I, I know, I agree. We never, <laughs> we never talked about getting married um, at all. And it's, it was so funny because um, we through COVID, we spent day and night and night and day and day and night together, like we'd never spent time together. And he was busy and I was busy, but we were in the same space being busy. And we would take time to plan to meet at five o'clock or to plan to meet to, to have a bite for lunch together. And then we would cook together. And we're real New Yorkers who just like, let's go out to eat. And we have so many great restaurants that that's so easy. But mm -hmm. here for the first time, we were preparing meals. We had our roles, you know, who cleans up, who cooks, who's doing. And, and all in all, we really felt so good about being together. So on my birthday, he wrote a little note by the side of the bed and said, why don't we just make a date for this and get married? And I thought, 
is he serious? Like, wait a minute. And then I thought, yeah, that would be nice. That would be really yeah, nice. It would be. Um, does he feel the same way about your healthy lifestyle? Is he also a healthy and your minimalism? <laughs> <laughs> and does he want to live to 122 <laughs> as well? So first of all, we are so different mm. that we never would have met each other on our own. And only Ian would have known that our core belief system and our sort of our approach to life is exactly the same. And so when, um, when I first met him, um, I can't even discuss the amount of ice cream he ate every day. Uh -oh. I can't even <laughs> go there. It was so, I mean, and the, and the combination of foods and, and I was like, oh my God, this is, this is going to be difficult. This is not going to, I don't know. I don't know how this is going to work. And then, um, and then he, if you saw his office, when I first saw his office, he, he had so much he works with so many amazing people and they've given him so many photos and things. And like, you needed a little trail to get through to things, the clutter. And I was like, oh, wow. So it has taken 10 years. Let me just say this. It has taken 10 years. And he says to me all the time, I just love our home. I love everything that we have around us which is very simple and minimal mm -hmm. um and he does try to i know when he travels to his places he's you know he's probably having ice cream when i'm not there <laughs> but um but at least he'll say why don't we make a salad together i was like okay i hope this is you know Awesome. Uh, something he does yeah but for uh, anyway it makes me feel good so mm -hmm. good. so when you when you when you talk to younger women do you say don't worry about it don't worry about don't stress about having a relationship it will come you know when you're well i'm i tell them you know work on yourself because if you're feeling bad about yourself and you're depressed about not being with someone that sort of self that's not positive energy right. and and so just indulge yourself in things like meditation and in practices that will really strengthen your sense of self and your self-respect learn things do things empower yourself so that you're you become the best version of you possible um and also try not to to look like someone else or act like someone else or dress like someone else. Try to be as much a person as you are. I mean, we're all so individual and it's very hard to copy somebody to be like someone else. So um, knowing yourself is, is takes some time to, to really, and to, and to make, you, make it so good that you wouldn't want to be anybody else. And that takes, time and it takes work and I really do believe the process of doing that brings you closer to realizing what it is you really want very many many women especially 
are waiting for some man to define what they want. Well, you have to define what, first of all, what you deserve, who you deserve, and what it is you want from a relationship. Um, and I think that that's, if you think about it and visualize it, I think you're more inclined to attract that person, that type of person to you. Um, I, I've thought about the kind of person I'm with now, but the wrappings are so different. I mean, the soul and the integrity of who he is is exactly in so many ways. This is the, the person I dreamt about, mm. but he doesn't look like what I thought that person would be. I mean, he's great, but he just looks so different from that kind of person. I So you can't judge a book by its cover until you read the book. And then the cover mm. really has a whole other thing going on. So I, I, I think, you know, the, there is so much to think about, not so much if somebody's going to come and sweep you off your feet. Now you know that you're loved. As, as women, in, I've, and this is something I've learned too from people much smarter than I am, women have an incredible need to be loved. And this happens young. It happens, especially in our teens, the idea of, of being wanted by you know, a boyfriend or then getting married and having the biggest ring and the biggest wedding means you really loved, you know, you are really loved. And then all of the trappings of how loved you are seem to be this sort of uh, concept somewhere, somehow that came about and, on, on how loved we are. And even that movie, I don't know if you've seen it, Bridesmaids that came out years ago. Well, just think of John Hamm and Kristen Wiig. They're in bed together and she really believes that she's going to turn him around to fall in love with her. Well, I will tell you, I will testify to this, that I interviewed hundreds of women after I saw that movie. And I said, you know, I've done something like, I've done that more than once. And I, I'm wondering if anybody else has to it. Every woman I met somewhere along the line objectified herself in the anticipation of being loved. And it's just something that we need to understand about ourselves. And I go back to self-love. If you don't love yourself first, you're going to keep doing stupid things like that. And, and we do. And, and hopefully you learn the lesson the first time, but very often, you know, we make more mistakes than we do it a couple of times. But I think talking about it and, and sort of changing that the energy to you is really the answer. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. And um, yeah, and so before we get more into the, your book, um, and speaking of longevity, oh, What's the question about your fiance? Does he want to also live to 120? Do you think? Does he? No, uh, no. He like <laughs> please. This is not even. Uh, you know, he he, uh, he just says, "Well, you know, if anybody can do it, I guess you can do it." I was like, "No, I'm, it's a concept, honey." <laughs> 
<laughs> so you've been in the fashion industry for over 50 years. Um, yeah. So 50 years of and many seasons in the year of coming up with fresh ideas. How do you do that? Well, you know, the interesting thing about designers is part of the process of being a designer is sort of having antenna mm -hmm. for what's going on at a time. So, you know, as you look at the different decades of what people are wearing, they very much reflect what was happening at the time. What yeah. was the energy of the time? What was the politics? What was the 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 um, financial situation? What was going on? And so clothing really is sort of that the poster of this is what was happening. And so we pick up that energy and it comes out in many ways, sort of defining. If you think about COVID, well, what's the fashion of COVID? It's night pajamas and day pajamas and, and no shoes, right? It's, or sneakers. So you, you, it reflects exactly what happened. And that's a perfect example of the kind of uh, thing that you think about. So designing a new collection every season, which is four times a year, means that I am constantly, and other designers too, constantly thinking about what's going on. What are people going to be thinking about then? How am I feeling now? As a woman, what is what do I want? I want comfort. I want easy care. I don't want to have to think about dry cleaners. I don't want to do that anymore. I want, I think I'm going to want comfortable shoes from now on. I don't, I'm not sure about these beautiful heels I have in my closet that I visit and think, I'm not sure I'll ever wear them again. I'm not sure that I want to wear them again. I, I love beautiful shoes and I like looking dressed when I am, but I'm sure happy. My feet are happy feet and they are loving what's going on right now. And so I think that's going to be, I think that's going to be a major factor for a lot of women to think about and what clothes go with those kinds of shoes and what will we wear when it's a wedding or a special occasion. So I think um, there's a lot that's going on now and it's part of the process of a designer dissecting that and then creatively coming to a conclusion. And is there anything new that you can tell us about, about what, like after the pandemic, what we'll be wearing? besides comfortable well, shoes that won't be our mother shoes though. Yeah, I, I, I do think comfort is still important. Mm -hmm. um, but we're, we're going to want to get out. And, and New York, of course, is a walking city and a city where um, we're not spending as much time in cars as, as other cities do. But I still think for all of us, um, we're in an optimistic mindset. So color and probably something lighter and, you know, something a little bit more fun and a little bit more playful, but not fashiony, not sort of trendy, light and playful, but with a, a more um, grounded 
timeless quality to it. I think we'll be buying less, but buying smarter. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to talk about a couple of your iconic designs. So you designed swimwear from the beginning. And from what I understand, when you were doing cover-ups for swimwear, you came across some gray sweatshirt material. And then hence was born your sweats, your sweat line, which I thank you every day for that. Um, Because they were so, you know, it felt so comfortable and chic. It It was an amazing combination of feeling so chic you know, yeah. in a sweatshirt. <laughs> so um, what, um, what was I going to ask you that what, what were we, what were we wearing before then? Cause you really started that athletic wear trend. I don't even yeah. remember what we were wearing before then. Well, if, if you think about, so I, I started the collection and launched it in I started the collection in 79 and launched it in 1980. And prior to that, Studio 54 was the rage, right? It was the thing, the place, the energy, the look, the clothes, the makeup, the hair. That was a very big influence worldwide. And it was lots of color a lot of sparkly eyeshadow kind of thing, things that, you know, were just glowing in the dark kind of things. And um, and so it was a very strong energy in that area. Mm. And so the, the exact opposite of it is these clothes that are a contradiction to that. They're classic timeless functional um styled but still you can run in them with sneakers um so the 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 whole feeling of this also coincided with the beginnings of um working out and fitness the music was coming into that too. Um, if you think about all of that, that was happening at the same time. So it just, it, it shows you how incredible there's an energy that happens in the universe where things come together and that sets the tone for what's to come. And, the, and for me, I, I felt very strongly about it. I felt that this was really a direction that that had a lot of power to it. I did not realize that it would last as long as it has. I mean, it's it's part of, it's our culture now, mm-hmm. um, and I'm I'm I love it because I really do think comfort and style can certainly be um, part of somebody's wardrobe as well as easy care and not spending money on um, dry cleaning or or that concept of buying clothes that you have to keep 
I mean, it's like a pet. You have to keep feeding it. You have to keep sending it to the dry cleaners. And it's, it's, it doesn't make sense. Plus, it's not even with the green dry cleaning. I'm not quite sure mm-hmm. that that's so worked out. So I, I, I think that there's this part of us that really likes the comfort and the ease. And if you think about traveling on a plane mm-hmm. before this, people got dressed up. I mean, it was you got dressed up. You didn't wear comfortable shoes. You didn't wear comfortable clothes that you were dressed and now some of it's not pretty but people are in sweats and they're casual and you know like I said not all of it's pretty but it just makes sense it's just and because numbers of people multiple numbers of people are are traveling now it 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 just there is no denying that there is no other alternative but to be comfortable. That's true. And then just one other iconic design that you're still selling today, you designed it in 1973, is the sleeping bag coat. And right. uh, you have a very fun story about that. Can you tell us how you came up with that idea? So in the early 70s, um, we would all go camping. Uh, we would go up to um, upstate and to, to canoe down the river and uh, and and it was great and uh, and so this is flower power time right we were all in that headset and so one night I'm in my sleeping bag coat in a tent with some other people and I'm thinking oh my goodness I have to go to the bathroom it's so cold out what am I gonna do so I just put my sleeping bag around me. And as I'm walking into the woods, I'm thinking, I am going to put sleeves on this thing when I get home. And I did. I literally, I got home. I cut it so I could put sleeves in it and a collar. And I've been making the sleeping bag coat ever since then. Until today. And there, there, there are several times where um, the sleeping bag coat really got a lot of, had a lot of energy. And first was Studio 54, where all the doormen, Steve Rubel, and everybody wore the sleeping bag coat. Mm-hmm. And people bought it thinking they would get in. Um, and then the, the next time was 9-11, when people were stranded in New York and mm-hmm. were literally sleeping in them. And now um, here in New York, we're supporting our restaurants and people are wearing the sleeping bag coat out to dinner. And I reduced the price this year so that they would be more accessible. And, um, and so the sleeping bag coat sort of is connects um, throughout and you can have it for 30 years, 35 years. People have take good care of them and, um, and it's a sustainable investment. And you were saying about 9-11, more, your, your sales basically spiked during that time. Yeah. Because people want to be wrapped yeah. up in something. And then- well, yeah, everything was closed. So yeah. I, you know, and I just came back to the office and picked up the, you know, answering machine, what's going on. And I couldn't believe the amount of people that were asking for it. So I brought my staff back and I brought back some factories to make the coats. 
and we were able to survive. It wasn't spiking so much. It was we were able to survive as a company during a time not unlike this, where you don't know what's going to happen next. So it was very interesting. And you had also said after 9-11, people were feeling very stressed and you started your wellness cafe. Yeah. Did you always have a healthy lifestyle before this? Well, to, to be honest, um, I would say in the 70s, I was a bacon cheeseburger person with bubblicious gum for dessert. So that's, that's sort of where I was at. But what happened in the 80s was uh, friends of mine were dying of AIDS. Mm -hmm. And the grief that was associated with that was really overwhelming for me because we knew for sure, and Dr. Fauci actually was the one that was telling us then, mm -hmm. that there wasn't a cure. And that if you got diagnosed, it was a matter of when. And when two of my best friends passed, I was determined to deal with my grief by finding out how to build a strong immune system. And I sought out information in Arizona, New Mexico, Southern California. I met Andrew Weil, who was the pioneer in this, and Michael Pollan and Dr. Lodog, a lot of people who were very early in this and I would go to retreats and I would uh I was religious about learning this and I I adopted the lifestyle myself I didn't really talk about it or you know say anything through my business about it until 9-11 when I felt that that was a stress time where I needed to have a place where people could learn about how to have a strong immune system and provide products and um, and ideas and practices that would help. And so that's how I got involved with it. And when I really came out to talk about it and share ideas. And do you think that was the first step that led you down this path to this book? This um, yeah, I, I think so. I think it, it was part of the progression to get me here um, because the book is really about, um, again, aging with power. And if the way you age with power is to look at the three pillars of the healthy lifestyle, sleep, diet, exercise, and make sure that you are doing everything you can to feed yourself with food that is nutritious and healthy. And food is medicine, basically, and food can make you sick, too. So mm -hmm. if you know about that and you, and you learn about how to, how to keep yourself fueled in a healthy way, it's such a, a tool, it's such a powerful tool. And the same with sleep and with exercise. And as you age, you know, these scientists who talk about aging, the three pillars of a healthy lifestyle, sleep, diet, exercise, but sleep is 50% of that pie generally. As you get older, the, the pie then goes into equal portions because exercise becomes 
much more important. Mm. And being flexible and being strong is really, really a very important uh, part of the um, the kind of way you present yourself as you age. So taking care of yourself is, is a critical part of, of mental health, physical health, self-esteem. And for as we age, it, it really becomes a dominant um, force in how we look at ourselves. The three pillars of health, I just want to say one thing. Well, like you said, sleep and the food and the exercise and the, the sleep. You said, um, I was just, I love the way you described sleep. You said it was a, it's a sacred time that should be in a sacred place. I never thought of it that way, but it really is such a yeah. sacred time. It is. That's how important it is. And um most people just think about sleep when they put their head on the pillow, but mm -hmm. we have to really think about sleep from the time we wake up in the morning, because when you wake up, you, you start to make decisions. So are you going to have one cup of coffee? Are you going to have coffee? When are you going to stop drinking coffee? You know, how much caffeine do you think you'll be able to deal with? Um, stress a stressful situation happens are you gonna let that situation sit with you and fester or are you going to diffuse it with meditation or some other working out or something else um, are you going to work out so that your body and your mind are generating energy and that you then are prepared to go to the ritual of sleep, which means your bedroom should be at a certain temperature. This is the kind of respect you need to do. The bedroom is certain temperature. Your sheets should be, they don't have to be expensive, but they should be sheets that you love, that make, that you feel great in. The, the, the scent in the bedroom, the, the mobile device and any, any of this technology out of the bedroom the bedroom is for sleeping and for love and tenderness but it is not for all of the other things that need to be separated so that we can restore everything that happened that day and you can't wait till Saturday or Sunday to restore what happened on Tuesday you have to do it the same day so that's how valuable it is. So you need to restore so you're ready for the next day. And then food, you mentioned, and it's so true. Women have a complicated relationship with food. It's so true. <laughs> yes, so, we do. Treat food as love. Yeah. And, it. and it, yeah, it goes back to the, the same. First of all, we, we eat more food than we need. Um, and you don't need to blow your budget for food if you just buy less but better quality food. And that's a big, that's a big switch right there. Mm -hmm. um, and so if you're doing that and, and you're paying attention to the quality of the food, intermittent fasting is something I highly recommend where you, again, create a frame of time that you're going to eat and then a frame of time that you're not going to eat. 
And so it's so much better for digestion. It's better for longevity. There's so many reasons why it's healthy to do that. And then our relationship with food, and, and I use this example of the desserts. So frozen blueberries are a great snack. And frozen blueberries with um, ground up walnuts on them are so delicious. And I love it as, as a snack. And I also love it because it's great for breast health. It's a great combination of talk about food as medicine. It's just perfect. So you can have a decision to make. Are you going to have a piece of chocolate cake for dessert? Or are you going to have frozen blueberries with walnuts? So as you're eating the chocolate cake, you're starting to feel bloated and you're starting to feel like, why am I doing this? And then you finish it and you say, oh, I hate myself. I can't believe I ate that cake. Or you can eat the blueberries. They're yummy and delicious. And the combination is really great. And you finish and your lips are purple, but you say to yourself, I feel really good. And I did something really good for my body and, and mind, by the way, blueberries. So those are the kinds of choices that we can make. And so those are the, the kind of rethinking relationship with food. If you look at it as something that's going to make you feel bad and something that's going to make you feel good. Mm. And then the third pillar you say for us to stay strong and clear in our head is exercise. And I love your attitude about it because you think we should exercise every day. Uh, absolutely. Every single day. You have no choice. Hmm. And uh, you have no choice. As you age, you must, I say from 50 on, actually, I would say from 45 on, because going through menopause without exercising is not a good idea. So. I would say exercise every single day and I make an appointment in my appointment calendar mm -hmm. when I'm going to work out. So I don't make any other plans at that time. I tell my staff that I'm not available during this period of time. And, and, you, and you can, you can stick to it. You can do it. And what happens is your body starts to crave working out, especially if you pick a time, the same time every day. I co-wrote a book with a, a, a Chinese and, and Western doctor who on acupuncture. And according to acupuncture, the best time to work out is actually in the um, late afternoon, anywhere between 4, 3.30 to like, 530. Um, and I actually work out at 445 every day. And for me, I look forward to it. I, my body is ready for it. And that's what happens when you do it every day. And the benefit of it, it, it it's an accumulation of feeling stronger and stronger and, and feeling strength in your body really is quite um, helpful for your mind as well. And you love to dance. And I'm going to just encourage everyone to um, search for 
Norma Kamali Dance Facebook, and then you'll see you do some freestyle dancing and you can dance along with you. <laughs> yeah, if you if you go to um, Instagram also, um, I, I extend the book actually with more um, recipes and exercise tips. I just did um, an exercise for posture um, because I think since I've been home, I've gotten Zoom butt from sitting more than I ever sat in my life. And I also feel like myself hunching over more. And the last thing you want to do is to hunch over. So I started to work out some routines for opening up and doing posture exercises. So if you guys want to try something, it really works. Um, I even got Marty to do it and he loves it. And, and, um, and I, and so I do use that, but dancing, um, first of all, I love dancing and I started to do a little research with, um, women who are older than I am that I absolutely love and respect or don't know and have gotten to know through Instagram and social media. And, the one thing they all have in common is they all love to dance and they're all dancing. And so I think that the most helpful tip is if you want to dance as exercise, that's good too. So put on your favorite music and just dance for 20 minutes, an hour, whatever, however you want to do it. But there's nothing better that just totally freeze your spirit. So I, I, I want you all to know that our wedding is just going to be one big dance party as soon as we get the word that friends can get together and sweat and dance. <laughs> that sounds fun. That sounds fun. And all of this is about being healthy and um, it's all integrated there's many more things about being healthy. One of the things, one of the final things to talk about maybe before we go to question and answer is um, it's important to contribute to your community. And you've done a lot of that with the New York schools. Can you tell, tell us a little bit about that? Well, I'm a public school graduate and, um, and the, the uh, public school system suffers greatly in all of our cities and um, New York City has the biggest public school system and it definitely um, was a place that I was able to get scholarships from and that I was inspired by early um, teachers um, and because of that I really felt that I needed to go back into the schools and give back and really contribute to um, to the community through that. And um, I still have uh, relationships with different schools where we give um, uh, all of our leftover fabric, like all the fashion schools um, or schools that have art departments, we give our supplies and fabric and trims and samples and uh, and and it really um, is very important to keep connected. And for me, education is is the the big 
the, the big power and having knowledge is just extraordinary. And if you're a public school student, very often it means you don't come from means and that you don't have privilege. And, um, and I, I feel very strongly that everybody should have started at the same level playing fields. And I think um, our children in the public schools need all the support possible uh, in any way they can get. And I like to mentor them. I feel very connected to doing whatever I can to help any of these students. That's beautiful. So let's go to a question, but right before that, what's your big, big message that you want to give to women with this book? The big overarching message. Well, you, you have your own timeline. Mm -hmm. You're, um, you, you never want to be invisible mm -hmm. and that you can strive to be invincible not every day. I mean, I can't say that I had that many days in a row of being invincible, but the more you work towards self-love and taking care of yourself, the more we can have those individual invincible days where you get, you just feel so powerful. You achieve the goals for the day. You got what you wanted done. You feel good about yourself feel good about your mind, your body, the way you, uh, your self-esteem and the way you feel about the energy you've had in that day. So the, the book, the mantra of the book starts with I am invincible because that is the, that is the goal for, for looking at each day as a possibility where you can reach your potential for that day. Mm, wonderful. So we have a question for you from uh, someone who says, I'm a newly minted fashion model at age 74. Also African-American. Are fashion designers ready to embrace both racial and age diversity to showcase their lines? Well, I know, um, I know for sure that a diversity is very appealing and it, it just clothes look so beautiful on different types of people, different skin tones, different, just different expressions. Um, so that for sure, I think um, the industry feels very comfortable with. The age thing is not yet there. And, and um, I'm trying to, to figure a way to communicate about this more. And I think the fact that you are a model and that you are um, 74 and a woman of color, it tells you that there's an opportunity for you there because people are interested. I just am concerned about some of the conversation about age mm -hmm. that says anti-aging, anti-wrinkle, because we don't we don't really want to think of it as anti. We want to see it as pro or aging with power. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure 
that your image projects that. And I think the more women we can do to project that, the, the more possibility there will be that it will not be, you won't, nobody will be asking that question anymore. At some point. So you dedicate your book to your mother. What do you think she would think about all the things you're doing right now? I told you so. That's <laughs> what she would say. <laughs> That's it. That's plain and simple. Done. <laughs> um, and actually, you've said, um, I have become her. Do yeah. you, did you see your mother? I mean, we, we all like don't like our moms at first, and then we... Then we um, yeah. turn. Then we change, and we admire. Hopefully, we admire our mothers um, yeah. later. But do you see your mother as being, or had been, invincible too? Oh, totally. I mean, I I think about her attitude about feeling that anything is possible, and if I I think about all the things that she was able to do, she. Um, First of all, she was a painter. She had oil paints out all the time. She could sew and research costumes to detail that was just unbelievable with embroideries and things that were phenomenal. And she would make costumes for um, for these plays and, and just unbelievable. And she then also could go to a restaurant and duplicate the meal just from tasting it. Um, and she would, she, when she was younger, she had, um, she would do hair. And so she could do all kinds of hairstyles. She could dye people's hair. Um, I remember begging her to do Marcel waves, if any of you know what Marcel waves are, but remember the waves of the 20s and 30s, because that's when she started to learn how to do hairstyles. And I would beg, I would promise to do all the ironing and clean the house and just please do Marcel waves in my hair. She could do anything. And she was very good at business. She had an incredible um, amount of energy. She was very into healthy lifestyles. She was juicing very early. She would do yoga face facial exercises. She worked out with Jack LaLanne on the TV. She was in it to win it. Supplements all over the house, growing herbs on the window in a New York City micro apartment. So you have and become her. <laughs> so you have become I, <laughs> I have become her. And I just thought she was an eccentric, mm -hmm. very different from other people's mothers. So I was a little embarrassed. I would say, mom, please, other people's mothers, too bad, too bad for you. And I was just like, oh gosh, what is she doing? But I think about I think about it, and I it's yes, I have absolutely become her. Good. Well, it's been a pleasure to have you here. If people Thank want to you. connect with you, how do they connect with you? Well, a, a great way is Instagram, or if you're a Facebook person, I I post all of the Instagram myself, and I look at Instagram, and we take direct messaging, and you can also. 
email to info at Norma Kamali if you have any questions about anything. You could look at our website, uh, normakamali.com, which also encompasses Norma Life, um, where I have my skin line, and we're going to incorporate all of the products that we will be selling again in the wellness cafe so we're going to have the wellness cafe back again in the fall i'm so happy and i'm developing a lot of really great products with some of our suppliers and i i don't do the flavor of the month kind of things these are all timeless ingredients that work and will you can be loyal to so take a look at what's to come and, and the posture exercise. Yes. <laughs> the posture exercise is a must. And the book is called I Am Invincible. Yes. Every woman should have it. Every woman should give it to their daughter. And this concludes our program at the Commonwealth Club of California. You've been listening to the Commonwealth Club of California. Hear thousands of our podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Stitcher. If you like what you've heard, please consider supporting our work and help us bring 500 programs a year to listeners like you. Go to commonwealthclub.org donate. Think your way around the world with our travel programs to exciting domestic and international destinations. And when you're in the Bay Area, please join us live at our events. Thank you for listening and for your support.